Hello, and welcome to Pop Culture Hangfire with Christian and Gabriel. The podcast where Gabe and I talk about pop culture that I think he missed while he was being homeschooled and sheltered from the outside world. The year 2001, Bush's presidency began on January 24th when he was inaugurated as the 43rd president of the United States. Wikipedia, the online encyclopedia, was launched. Nevada became the first U.S. state to legalize online gambling. And the big one, 9-11 happened. It's a lot of, a lot of things of import, some clearly more important than others. Some definitely more important than others, yeah. Uh, Gabe, 2001, what's going on? Where are you in life? So, we're at my grandparents. We're living still in uh, Alta Loma, California. Obviously, my biggest memory, my most standout memory to this day from that all is 9-11. I vividly remember that day and, and how things went there and some of my thoughts and reactions. But... um. Outside of that, for the uh, you know nine months prior to that in two thousand one, um, I think it was just a pretty pretty normal. I'm uh, let's see there, I'm thirteen. I turned thirteen that year. Oh, that's a good year, right? Hang on, yeah, twelve would be two thousand, so turn thirteen two thousand one. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I I think. I think I had yet to shave, so I'm pretty sure I had one of those peach fuzz mustaches in that awkward phase where you don't know what to do with it. We call those Latino mustaches, Gabe. I don't know if you right, can. Well, please don't don't uh, appropriate my culture. I I mean I'm from northern Mexico, as we've already stated, so I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I was inundated with that culture for uh, my entire uh, early part of my life. And I only ever moved closer as time went on, man. I went it seems like you kept going south, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it was good, though. I, uh, I I remember, honestly, like, it was a pretty happy time. Yeah, uh, 9-11, no, 2001. <laughs> yes, 9-11 happened. I am uh, two and a half, yeah, about two and a half. No, actually, three years into the Marine Corps. So... It's an uneventful enlistment, you know. You know nothing just, happened in the world. Everything happening. Just so those benefits. You know what's funny, dude? Um, every time I so that day I remember Jesus, um, just like you said, very vividly because everything leading up to me waking up um, was going to dictate the next couple years of my life, and yeah. I was paying attention and I remember everything. But what I always remember. When I was in boot camp, my drill instructor, Staff Sergeant Avery, still remember his name. He he had the whole the whole class, right? The whole uh, training class, and he said, he said, you know, it's been almost ten years since the last, you know, uh, war. He said, there's a there's a very slight there's a slight chance that some of you here will see war again because it's it it's going to come back. You know, he said it's it's going to happen again you guys need to take this more serious because some of you will see it. And, you know, so I remember 9-11 happening. 
you know, in, in, by the end of that year, we are moving to Camp Margarita to begin our, our year long war prep, you know, just, uh, desert warfare training in order to prepare for, for Iraq. Everyone who joined in 1998 with me, their contracts would have ended in 2002. They're four-year contracts for those who did yep. four years. I did a six-year contract because I did reserves that ended up being full-time. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, so a lot of those contracts were completing. And technically, we weren't at a time of war yet. We hadn't declared war yet in 2002. So I know, for the most part, unless a lot of these guys re-enlisted, you know, that statement from from my drill instructor was very true. <laughs> I always remember that that speech now from boot camp. Uh, to then, Prophetic. Yeah, to then fast forward, you know, three and a half years later. Uh, to, you know, so yeah, 9-11, again, tons of things probably happened before before September. But yeah. it seems like the rest of my life began in September when I woke up at like 6.30 in the morning to see the first tower fall, not realizing what I was seeing, then seeing the second one fall, then getting the first phone call from my, you know, my squad leader. And then the follow-up calls that happened every couple hours as they progressed, as more information was coming down the pipeline of what was going to happen next, you know? Yeah. And, and the quick response and all that. And it was just like it, it, yeah, it, it ended, uh, uh, it ended a certain part of my life and started a whole different one. Like a, like a multiverse was created in that moment for me, you know? Where yeah, that was one of those, that was one of those events that causes a split in the timeline. It does. It does, you know? Uh, and I was just having a conversation about, you know, like, uh, or a, yeah. And it was like, do you have a, a moment in time in your life that that kind of like created who you are now, you know, like what you're what you're doing. And I'm like, yeah, like the Marine Corps, <laughs> everything leading up to now uh, defined by me having joined the Marine Corps because, the you know, my 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 confidence, my work ethics, all these things were, you know, just got uh, hammered into me. And and really, I became that this person now then because of all everything that experienced with those within those six years so uh yeah you know very grateful for it but yeah no nine like september uh 11 is is i think like many people it's burned into our memories because of having been yeah. there and seen it you know so yeah that was 2001 for me which is now after saying all that it's weird to go and uh these movies came out <laughs> i mean there was again there was months preceding where things were very normal up until, at least for the average American. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's a good. That that's a good way to say it, Gabe. Now, having said that, I don't know if you've seen this movie, but I want to play this um, speech from this movie that uh, just gets me every time. All right. Oh, you motherfuckers! <laughs> okay. All right. I'm putting cases on all you bitches. Huh? You think you can do this shit? Jay! You think you can do this to me? You motherfuckers will be playing basketball in Pelican Bay when I get finished with you. Shoe program, nigga. 23-hour lockdown. I'm the man up in this piece. 
You'll never see the light of day. Who the fuck you think you fucking with? I'm the police. I run shit here. You just live here. Yeah, that's right. You better walk away. Go on, walk away, because I'm going to burn this motherfucker down. King Kong ain't got shit on me. Man, that fucking movie is so good. And that performance is fucking next level. Denzel will will be our, you know, well, we have so many of them currently, but never mind. But yeah, but Denzel is just training day, Gabe. Have you seen training day? Training day. I sure have. Fantastic, fantastic movie. I'm actually glad yeah. that you have seen it. I would have been very disappointed. <laughs> More- yeah, that was one of those movies that uh, it seemed like it had such a profound effect within the industry. Oh, like yeah. That was held up as a standard for a very long time. And you know what you know? it you know what it did too? Um because you don't expect a movie like this to get Oscar nominations because it's right. you know it's an action movie, you know, it's it's very showboaty like these are not the these are not the types of movies that that get Academy Award nominations. But it broke through that because Denzel um got the Academy Award for Best Actor. Mm-hmm. And and Ethan Hawke got the nomination for Best Supporting Actor for the for this role. Uh, but yeah, directed by Antoine Fuqua and written by David Ayer. As I mentioned, it stars uh, Denzel Washington and Ethan Hawke. And it's one of those movies that takes place in a day. I love these movies where you just start and the and you you're in that day. Um, you know, and and for me, another thing for me is like this is very LA centric. These guys are in the neighborhoods that I grew up in. You know, they're rolling through Westlake, through Echo Park, South Central, Watts, you know, just like so much pride to see a good representation. And I mean, good in the sense where they stay true to the... To, to the to, accurate. Yeah, accurate. Not like yeah. this really happens all the time type of thing, you know? $45 million uh, budget made $104 million. Um, Exceptional, exceptional movie. I love this movie. Yeah, that was also... Uh, I think that's the... F- it's not the first. It's one of the real early appearances of uh, Terry Crews before he was a paid star. I believe this. Actually, that's a very good call out because I thought you were going to say Eva Mendes. No, it, also. Yeah, because I thought, I thought. But yeah, you're right. She probably got paid, though. Yes. She talked, didn't she? S- yes. So the story, I believe, goes that Terry Crews was either someone's bodyguard or someone's friend. On, no, no. OK, I'm sorry. Someone's bodyguard. And the director was like, you look legitimately <laughs> like Yeah, you look legitimately scary. Yeah. So they put him in the background and slowly they actually gave him a line or two in the movie because of his presence. Yeah, they were like, show up at this time if you wanna if you wanna be involved. And it was an unpaid, it was just an extra. But he made an impression on people. Yeah. That was his first really getting noticed. And I remember Danny Trejo has a story like that too, where he was visiting his buddy who was an actor in um in a gangster, Latino gangster, you know, like prison scene. And the director was like, you, <laughs> like, you look like you're a convict. <laughs> and he put and he put him in the movie because he looked exactly like the guys that were trying to play, <laughs> which he sometimes, was, he was first out of prison. So, yes, that was yeah. exactly who it was. Sometimes what you need is just to look the part. He, his career was looking the part. It was. Another movie that comes out. Now, this movie, well, let me say the movie and then you tell me if you've seen it. Memento. Yes. Okay. Written and directed by Christopher Nolan. His second film, by the way. Um, starring Guy Pierce, who had already been in L.A. Confidential at this point. 
you know, and and uh, Priscilla uh, to Wang Fu, uh, thanks for everything, Priscilla. Uh, you know, or Queen, what is it? No, no, to Wang Fu is the other one. No, this is Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. She had already been in that, so he already had two decent movies under his belt, got recognized. Yep. Uh, so he has this film. For those of you who haven't seen it, it's about a guy who goes into a car accident and has short-term memory, like two-minute short-term, right? Two, three minutes? Yeah, he's got real, real bad recall. Yeah. Um, He knows who he is. He knows his old life, but like everything recent is like a day to like he's not not remembering the day, but it's a day to time, but he's just like the last little bit of time. Yeah, he remembers the accident. And everything before that, but everything after that, he has he has three minute to five minute lapses of, of, of memory that he can hold on to. Uh, Nine million dollar budget went on to make forty million. Oscar nominated for best original screenplay and best film editing. Now I say film editing because it definitely deserved that. Nothing it about this movie, did. nothing about this movie is extraordinary if you think about it, right? The story is pretty pretty basic. Pretty basic, but what this movie did and what other movies like it have done but they this movie did incredibly well was almost non-linear storytelling mm-hmm. um because of the editing the way they edit it so that you have both perspectives of his perspective every time he wakes up and doesn't remember what happened and your perspective because the movie's being told almost in reverse but also forward order at the same time yeah because you you kind of see the very beginning like the end is the very beginning yes you kind of know the outcome and then you start to piece it together with him is is the way they edit it which is incredible incredible the first time watching that movie is just such an experience it was it was um and you know like this uh doing the research made me think like i I, i'm probably going to put together a list of movies that people should watch because of how they impacted movie making as a whole filmmaking yeah Yeah. now like you can go back to the 30s and the 40s and the 50s you know where a movie was made a certain way and then it's been copied since but that's not the point the point is what it did to the culture going forward you know like the first person that did it maybe didn't get it right but the fifth person maybe was like nailed it to perfection where they were like this is this is the example this is the example type of thing um I remember when this DVD came out, right? It, the box set DVD that came out, that it it had like a uh, like a personality test that you could take. The unlock was that if you got the questions in a certain order, you could watch the movie in real time with the moments where he forgets in the moment. Oh wow! Yeah, so I remember I remember doing the research, getting the magazines at the time, and like you know, going online to learn what the answers you were supposed to put in in what order. And then I was able to watch the movie like in, in, in forward, you know, like from beginning to end. Yeah. It was, I was like, that is so clever, you know, like stuff like that, 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 that the way that digital media is now, you can't really get away with, you know, yeah, like nowadays you, somebody just would have like digitally done it themselves. It and yeah. Upload it. Yeah. Like you can find online right now, you can go and find like the despecialized versions of star Wars, like four five and six. Where someone they take out all the special edition stuff and and revert them. Nice. Those are available online. There's all kinds of stuff people do that with movies. And also, that's a time when to go look up that stuff online wouldn't be as easy as it is today. Like today, a quick Google search, you'd have it in five seconds if anyone had found it. Oh yeah, today. Know, back in two thousand and what two or late two thousand one, depending on when the movie came out, when the DVD finally comes out, that there's not that availability on the internet to find that. You're digging through all kinds of yep. to try to find that answer. You're hoping somebody already did it. 
Yep. Where, whereas now, like you just put in like end credits for, and then like uh, every on your phone. Yes, on your, exactly. On your, computer, on your phone. Exactly. But no, mm-hmm. it's a phenomenal movie. Uh, really, really good. A Knight's Tale comes out. Now, this movie is not an extraordinary movie. It's nothing. But it, it's such a charming and fun and good film. Uh, stars Heath Ledger. At this point, he had already done 10 Things I Hate About You. And the movie Patriot, where he plays Mel Gibson's son. Yeah. Uh, $65 million budget, grossed 117 Again, nothing exceptional. But the movie itself is so charming and so well done uh, that I just I had to mention it. Because as I was looking at the list of movies that came out that year... I was like, oh, wow, there's quite a few. But I'm like, but none that really make me feel like I want to talk about them. You know, like if 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 um if I may here, I like, for example, there is nothing wrong with like Zoolander, you know, there's nothing wrong right. with like the the Lara Croft movie that came out, Monsters, Inc. or Shrek. But they they don't provoke for me to to any sort of emotion for me to want to talk about them, you know. Um, so yeah, again, like plenty of movies came out that were good. It's just that not enough for me to want to talk, but, but Night's Tale for some reason, Night's Tale definitely sticks with me as like a, a movie that, that I remember fondly. And, 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 you know, it, it, it's so much to do with how charismatic Heath Ledger is, uh, was as an actor. And let's not forget Alan Tudyk was in it. Yes. Oh, wow. Damn, I forgot about that. With a signature of performance of the guy he tends to play. Yes, that's also very Comedy true. Comedy relief, yes. kind of sarcastic, you know, the sidekick. Yes. Excellently done. But it, just in a medieval setting. Yeah, no, that is a, I'm sure, historically, like, rife with inaccuracy. Oh. I but mean, it had exactly what you said, charisma, and it had style. Because I remember they uh, they paired it up with that uh, in the trailer with the "We Will Rock You." Yes, that's right. It was very, it's very stylish. Good soundtrack. You're right. Yep. You're right. So I did. I did. I would be remiss not to uh, bring up a Knight's Tale, the big one. Then I saved it for last year for you, Gabe. Uh, Lord of the Rings: Fellowship of the Ring comes out. Eight hundred and eighty million dollars worldwide in its initial release. Second highest grossing film of 2001. Fifth highest grossing film of all time. Now, oh, a very quick uh, Maverick check, Gabe. I remember you first mentioned like, hey, Maverick hit like a billion guy. What was it like? Number 49. It had breached the 59. Top 50. Uh, Ranked 13. 1.3 billion. It passed Titanic, didn't it? That was the big headline. I mean, yeah. that movie is insane. Like that is that is a Hollywood blockbuster, uh, the likes of which we have not seen in a long time, and kind of like kind of out of nowhere because people didn't know if it was going to be a good movie. Like everyone knew it was coming for like over a yeah. year because they were like, "No, nah, we're not putting it out until you can put it in theaters." And you know what's funny? I, I just I, I just went to see uh, Thor: Love and Thunder. I I was like, you know, they haven't really talked about the gross of this film, like um. You know, like usually though, like like when Spider Man, you know, flexes immediately. Yeah, like when when <laughs> Spider Man No Way Home came out, right? Like they were like, "Dude, this movie hit over half a billion." I was very surprised by the numbers from Love and Thunder. I really thought it was gonna. I mean, they're not bad numbers. I think it's like over three hundred thousand or three hundred million, almost four hundred million. Yeah, it's nothing to scoff at. But I I, I was surprised that they, it's not something they've been flexing because it, it is a think- it is a good movie. I think Marvel is kind of they're at that point where 
I don't know, whatever the, the sophomore slump or whatever, where they're like, they're at the point where there's a little fatigue because they've come out with so much and they're trying to live up to themselves now. I'm sure that's something people talk about to death. So I won't, you know, continue to try to explain, but like, I think that's kind of why you're seeing them talk about some of that stuff less because they're just, people aren't, there's not as much hype when it's a continuous thing. That's true. And that like the bar is three hundred million now, right? For them, mm-hmm. so like if you did that, you're like, yeah, you're a Marvel movie, big world. It was a good movie. Moving it, it was a Marvel movie. Yeah, <laughs> congratulations, you made a Marvel movie. Meanwhile, uh, DC off in the side, just shaking their head. Uh, but yeah, so Lord of the Rings, man. I, 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 I was. Uh, let's see. So I did not watch the movie when it came out. Um, I watched it much later, just because there was a lot going on. I believe a little bit. <laughs> A little bit touched on going it. on, and when did when did Lord of the Rings release? Like what month do we know? Because now that you mention it, obviously this is the time it happened, right? I knew it was early two thousand, like two thousand two thousand one ish, like. But the dominant memory, of course, as we mentioned, was nine eleven, and I I wouldn't have placed it. And I, I have a separate set of memories from having to go see Lord of the Rings and the excitement and the hype and all the buildup, and it's weird how that's compartmentalized completely in its own category. That's kind of outside of time, whereas. September 11th is very clearly time-stamped in my memory. It's tied, to, obviously, to a very specific moment. So it seems like this was released later in the year. So uh, December 19th. Um, but yeah, so, you know, like at this point, like, again, it wasn't on my radar just because it was so. Yeah, yeah. God, so, I can't believe it. I mean, I, I again, cerebrally, I guess I would have known this, but it just doesn't feel like it. Uh yeah no I I remember so that next so in two thousand to two thousand two I'm 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 definitely not 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 following might have watched it though but I also think I didn't watch it just because in two thousand three when we finally were overseas I took the Lord of the Rings book with me the nine hundred pager one that combined all three and I read it there and I remember watching the movie then comparing it to the book so i know i probably didn't watch it until 2004 when i got back yeah and again only because i know i was comparing it to the book and like what the book did that the movie didn't but how i still did like the movies and then i remember i watched the original one then the one that came out that was three and a half hours i remember buying that uh, and eventually owning all three of them but yeah no such amazing storytelling and and again like this is another one of those movies where i would say I would put this in that list that we just talked about, like Memento for, for in the sense where they historic production. Yeah. Historic production, but they had like, they had the vision from the very first one, as opposed to like Indiana Jones, you know, like three separate episodic movies, uh, Star Wars episodic movies, like the, the three need to go together now, you know, but these guys were doing it with the intent, like, no, this is going to be three, and we're going to just keep filming right through and keep these guys busy for the next six years making these movies, and they'll come out in the next ten years, you know? Yeah. So it I think a, uh... that that that's the significance, importance of these that 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 vision of like we're telling an epic story here, and it's going to take three movies like to come out that strong, you know, uh, and make that statement. Because how many of these movies do we watch now where? That was the intent, but like part two never made it out, <laughs> you know, and, or, or like somehow and then they the, shockingly don't have a plan going in <laughs> Star Wars sequels, you know, like that type of thing. So I think that that's that's the significance of these movies in that sense where where they changed the 
the the commitment that you're willing to make in your audience from the jump like yeah they were they were banking on their success and honestly i it's kind of surprising in some ways i guess like i know the ip is real strong but like at that time there was a resurgence in fantasy and i think that's why a studio was willing to take that risk and invest so heavily in something that was clearly going to be that much money up front and, and obviously they made back oh way more like it was a resounding success in every way so many awards so many but the people like at the top you know your, your peter jackson's your everyone involved at the production level and the pre-production level like they banked on their success from the start they were like this is gonna work and i mean darn it if they weren't right yeah i think the latest movies that have done something like that have been like the avengers and the marvel movies where they're all like these need to connect they have to go together yeah they they, they actually started by laying the groundwork Knowing oh, yeah. that we were going to build on this, right? Like, yeah. and again, before, like, in Marvel's case, this was a tried and failed in the past, numerous times failed yeah. to launch yeah. this sort of thing. So that's again another one where success wasn't a guarantee at the very beginning. Very true. Moving on to popular TV shows at the time: Friends, CSI, Crime Scene Investigators, ER, Law and Order. Everybody loves Raymond. Show that ended in in nineteen uh, in two thousand and one, which we just talked about in the last episode of nineteen ninety six. By the way, Thirty Rock from the Sun ends in two thousand and one after uh, after uh, five years. Book ended. Um, another show that ended in ninety five in two thousand and one uh, after eleven seasons, uh, Baywatch. I did not realize that show had been on for that long. That's impressive. Well, you see. There's just a lot of story to explore and a lot of lore and just, you know, it's uh, there's a lot of depth, if you know what I mean. I mean, a lot of crime happens right near the beach, apparently. Yep. You got to move very slowly to address it. But you know what? But good for Hasselhoff for like, you know, like, because I think he was like the producer creator. Like that dude, you know, not only was he was he like the, the pilot to helm this. But he's like, no, I believe in it. I, I'm putting, you know, my money where my mouth is and good for him. This show, I remember watching and enjoying thoroughly, dude. I'm curious if you had seen it. Nash Bridges. I recognize the name and I have to have seen some of it. But now I cannot recall what's going on. I absolutely did watch that at the, some point, though. This was a show starring Don Johnson from Miami Vice fame and Cheech Marin, where they're like, yeah, San Francisco police officers. I was on for about five years. I remember USA. Yes. Where I saw oh yeah, that. this is definitely a USA show. Yes. This was a fun show. I remember it being fun and funny and and very much. Cheech is a cop, is correct. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And and very much like a '90s version of Miami Vice. You know, like it's just the cool cop who gets away with everything and solves every crime and like you know gets the girl, all that stuff. Uh, I remember enjoying watching this show, though, and, and seeing Cheech Marin on a TV show for me was great because I grew up with, you know, like Cheech and Chong. So it was great. It was great. It was a fun show, I remember. But yeah, that ended in, in 2001. Now, shows that started in 2001. Now, I'm going to throw this one in, even though it was a miniseries. Uh, but it was one of the best shows that I remember watching in the 2000s. Band of Brothers by HBO. 10 episode miniseries. Let's let's be honest, but it was it's a season. I mean, that absolutely kicked off quite a uh series of events in my household. So Oh, really? Oh, cuz my mom was already into like 
historical stuff. And like, of course we were, and we were the right age, my brother and I at that point to be into like, you know, we watched the history channel a ton. And at that point in time, it was still mostly about world war one, world war two, that kind of stuff, you know? So we watched band of brothers. My family actually bought the VHS set oh, wow. from, from Costco. Cause that's one of those few places that seems like it would, fit in to buy a how you know enormous (laughs) enormous vhs set we had that and then we also at some point probably a little bit later ended up getting the audio book and doing the book oh wow i've I've read the book i've watched the vhs of that (laughs) and i've seen it so yes that was that was quite that is absolutely worth noting yeah, no, uh, I I remember my brother was watching it and he got me into it and he 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 was the one who I don't think it was VHS. I think he was he bought the DVDs, but I saw it much later. Fancy. I saw it much later because it was like 2005 when I saw it. But it was it was such a fantastic show. HBO, I think it was an HBO show, just yeah. killing it here. Nailed it. But for those of you who don't know, this was the the history of the of Easy Company, Second Battalion, 100 and no 506th uh, para, Paratrooper Infantry, 101st uh, Airborne Division. And it follows them from basic training to their participation in Europe, right? Uh, through I think most of World War II. Yep. It's a it's a great great uh, show. You you know like where you can't hang on to the characters because they will most likely die throughout the course of it. it it's fantastic, uh, you know. And it maybe and I think that's why I liked uh, Saving Private Ryan so much because it was like a. A version it was like a story within that you know like they did it very much the same way uh tom hanks was a huge advocate for like films from world war ii so i can see where his inspiration comes from because it, it it's it they could have been the same it, they're so well done yeah that was another example too of just an excellently cast oh yeah show because like you you know if you when you get into the, all the behind the scenes stuff and the people who ended up being cast to represent the real individuals you know they had the survivors, obviously, um, and the, some of the people who were portrayed in the show um, were consulted um, and uh, uh, asked, you know, uh, it, they had involvement in the show. And like, you know, uh, some of the accuracy in, in both appearance and then in mannerism, they really went uh, hard on the details there. And in in classic HBO fashion, they didn't shy away from, you know, some of the ugliness um, being showcased so like the people their the physical changes that they portray throughout yeah. the people go from being these you know fairly normal naive boots to like going through everything they go through in europe and be getting gaunt and you know shell-shocked is the term at the time jaded like all the horrible things it's it's um one of the best portrayals i agree i agree 110 percent uh, if you haven't seen it, I think it, that's one of those timeless things. It's not, it, it, it will age well. Truth is stranger than fiction too. Like it's one of those things where like you see it and you're like, this is like, you know, cause you watch Saving Private Ryan and you can be like, yeah, well, you know, there's some fictionalized. But you know, yeah, where did Vin Diesel have time to work out? No. This one very, yeah. very close to the, as accurate as you could make it. Yep. Very much so. Smallville started in 2001. I was never a fan of Smallville. Never got into it. But uh, it was on for like 15 years, I believe. You know, I listen. The funny thing is I listen to the podcast now, Small or Talkville, where um, where Michael Rosenbaum and um, Tom Welling talk about each episode. <laughs> yeah. 
And I listened to Michael Rosenbaum's own podcast, uh, Inside of You, but was never a fan of the TV show. Uh, but it was on for a while. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, I think it, it, it did really well for what we have now, you know, between the Arrowverse and Supergirl and the Flash and all that stuff. I think this is what led to the ability to have those type of shows. So uh, good for them. Shows that started. Yeah, I, I it's another show. I, I don't think I've seen a single episode of Smallville. Didn't get into it. Um, the only thing uh, I did see mention of it recently because I uh, I watched the TV show uh, Jack Reacher. And oh, it's a great show. I, I had to look up Alan Richardson because the guy is built like a like a like a, an actual wall of a human being. Like he's he's massive. And I just I saw that he had he was he was a uh, um, what's his name? Aquaman. He was Aquaman, I guess, in small. Oh, like no kidding. Because I was just like, where has this guy been? Because he is just like I, he's a I, monster in that show. I know him from Titans because he he, yep. uh, he was the Hawk and Dove uh, duo. But I, I that Jack Ryan show was so so good. I, Reacher, I you mean or? oh preacher sorry um, Reacher Reacher, Reacher. <laughs> not Reacher Reacher. Uh, he was actually on Michael Rosenbaum's uh, Inside of You, and he talked about oh, yeah? how he talked about how for the audition it was all via video because of uh, of the um, uh, pandemic. Yeah, yeah. And that at the time he was two hundred pounds, and they're like, you know, we need somebody that fits the description, and they're you know he was like. He he actually put on another twenty or thirty pounds because even at two hundred he just felt like they were looking for something bigger. Yeah, he is he is, he is an enormous human being. I, I mean, think I'm, honestly, obviously the show is is sort of a they kind of treat the character like a superhero. They do, but like the most unbelievable thing for me was to see him have to give like a second and third elbow to someone's <laughs> face and not think, well, they were dead on the first one. Like he killed that man. Massive human being, beautiful <laughs> man too, very good looking. <laughs> He, um, you know, he, on the on the podcast, he actually admitted that uh, he he uh, attempted suicide once. He was going he was going through uh, through depression, and uh, he actually tried to uh, he actually hung himself, um, but the rafters gave way apparently, and just, he's just he's just too big. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, he said something really important, right? He said. The reason why he got to that point was that through his depression, anyway, what it does is it makes you get to the point where you think that you leaving helps everyone else. Yeah. And that's the driving factor behind people committing suicide in that sense, where they think that that's the best option uh, for them to be to be less of a burden for everyone else. Yeah, you sort of talk yourself into feeling like that it's the it's the thing to do for other people. You're not doing it for yourself. That was honestly um, at my at my lowest moments when I was uh, contemplating. Um, I that was one of the equations I did more than once was, are people better off without me? And I could never I could never quite justify. I thought it would cause more harm to to be dead. Um, mostly to my parents, but like, so that's an absolutely an equation that I, I can visualize. I can, I can identify with. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's, it's interesting because I know people who have suffered from this type of thing, but 
to some for someone to be you know to me like I, i'm like well this person is well known like he's an actor like he's doing well yeah successful yeah you know like um so that admittance you know like to to just allow us to to like understand where he was at and just be honest and not like try to make up an excuse or uh everything like that no i thought it was very like uh, at that point you have to understand like this is no longer something you have control over if that's something that you actually resort to a lot of people say like oh boohoo too like actors aren't you know they're actors and sports figures and stuff aren't heroes because what have they really done but like it's influence and somebody of of stature having being able to admit that sort of a you know low point that sort of a moment is uh I think that just showcases that nobody's immune from it, right? Because it's very easy in those situations to talk yourself into, well, if I was in X situation, I'd be happy. Or if I was, if I looked like X, if I felt like X, if I had X, I would be happy. But like nobody's, nobody's immune from that. You know, it's a, it's a mental thing. It's not a, it has nothing to do with the real or the physical. And, and you know, like there's a song by Everclear um, called that will buy you a new life, I think. And in it, you know, he says, um, people say that um, money is the root of all evil, you know, that, um, that, um, but then he says, like, but they've never had a welfare Christmas. And you're like, that makes sense, right? When you get that money, but like you said, what happens after that, right? Like, the damage that that welfare Christmas did doesn't disappear based on the money that you no longer have a welfare Christmas that seed was already planted. So regardless of what success happens after that, you're still that welfare Christmas kid to a certain extent, you know, and either that drives you to work harder, you know, like people like Kevin Hart has fucking 10 jobs going at once. Always. But he never stops. But he says it himself. He's like, I'm still afraid of losing it all. Yeah. You know, he's like, there's that fear that I won't have this. And that I have to keep working for it. So it goes that way or it goes to the other side where we think, well, this, you know, Will Smith is doing fine. Why is he crying on camera? And you're like, well, because he still, something still drove him to who he is now. And that thing never got fixed. The money never fixed all of it. They gave him a better place to live. The root cause exists. Exactly. You know, and I, and we all have it. I mean, I have my own issues that I deal with. Um, And the drinking helps. Water, drinking of uh, hyd- hydration. hydration helps a lot. Um, but yeah, you know, it's 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 just uh, I I I sometimes I'm very quick with my with my quick uh, you know response to to a celebrity crying. But then I I do like when you take a step back, you're like, you know what? Regardless of this person having everything that I will never have in my life and will never experience in my life, it must suck not to be able to en- to enjoy it because you're 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 paralyzed within your your own you know mind so yeah good for him that he can take a uh he owns a jet and he can fly anywhere and has everything given to him um you know i'm not complaining about what i have would i like what he has yes but you know uh would it magically fix any problems that you have no no it wouldn't i would I, i'm 99 percent sure that if i had five million dollars in my bank account my drinking would not be any less <laughs> <laughs> if anything it might get more expensive um but yeah you know so happy van winkle um so yeah so the smallville <laughs> back to back to smallville scrubs started in 2001 too by the way 
Um, I was listening to their podcast and they talked about it because they were filming when 9-11 happened. Oh, yeah. You mean you were under the Scrubs? Yeah. So actually, uh, fuck, actually both of them, dude, Smallville and Scrubs were both filming when 9-11 happened and they both both talked about it. They both talked about it in separate Mm. episodes about how like how, you know, like Smallville was was in Canada and nobody could fly home to their families, you know, Uh, or they were expected to fly when everything was going on, when they wanted to be with their families to, you know. And Scrubs was the same way. Like they, you know, they they got to the show and and you know they were like, "This is what's happening." And you're like, "Jesus." Yeah, I got to listen to the episode from on the Scrubs perspective, and that was quite an episode. Scrubs is a fantastic show. I have seen that show more than once. It is, it is so well done. What I love though is the friendship. Um, when you talk about a show that changes. The perspective of how things should be. There is that no holds barred emotions out in the open, hard on the sleeve relationship between the two main characters, where it's two guys, where they can be silly, they can be romantic about each other, they can do all those things and still have relationships and everything like that. But it's it's the fact that you could have a friend, a male friend, where you could be that sensitive with, and it was okay. Yeah, I feel like, honest. yeah, I feel like shows weren't doing that before for some reason. Mm-mm. I feel like that relationship felt so real that to see that they're really like that in person makes it so much better. It does. Uh, but, you know, I, I uh, that's a wonderful show. Season 10, though, not so great with the new class no. when they tried to. Eh. But um, went on just a little too long there. It did. It did. It did. We are a little bit out of time, but I do want to talk about some of the people who died because I already prepped prepped some of the the music we're gonna hear Mm. did i say music a gentleman named jeffrey hyman dies you might know him because of his stage name from the band yep mr joey ramone passes away in 2001 Diagnosed with lymphoma, which is a form of cancer. He kept this condition private, uh, revealed it in March of that year um, that he was battling the disease and died that same year at the age of 49 years old. Uh, Gabe, were you a a Ramones fan or are you a Ramones fan? I appreciate uh, the work and I, I benefit from it from people who were inspired by them more than from actually listening to them directly. Fair point. There is definitely an energy that I get from those songs. Because if you look, if you listen to the songs, I think it's the oldest joke, right? It's three chords. Every single song yep. is the same three yep. chords. Um, and the <laughs> lyrics are are not a lot. I feel like it's four lines. But there is an energy and a... What's, what's the other word I'm looking it's for? It's like, it feels rebellious. It does. And freeing and, and, and like loud or soft, it, there, there's there, there's something in it that gives you uh, more than, than what it, what the song is. And I, I, yeah, I've always it's more appreciated. than the sum of its parts. It, nailed it, Gabe. Nailed it. Um, but yeah, I, 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 much like you, I think maybe eight to ten songs of theirs that I, that, I, that I have on loop, you know, when I listen to them. But the impact, right, that they had on everyone else and the music industry and just everything in general, you know. But um, Joey Ramone from the Ramones passes away. 
This next one is a big one, dude. Huge one. I think to this day, he has one of the greatest rock and roll songs I've ever heard in my life and will ever hear in my life. And I will take that to the grave with me. That song. One, two, three, four. That, uh, while my guitar gently weeps, I think is one of the greatest songs I have ever heard in my life. Um, You know, he was an exceptional songwriter, but unfortunately he was in the Beatles. (laughs) And and Paul McCartney and John Lennon were also in the Beatles. (laughs) Tough, tough, tough competition. Even with that, though, he was able to squeeze in, I believe, like two songs per record. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, to this day, I believe some of the greatest Beatles songs. But this song right here, just it it could make me cry. It could make me laugh. It could make me, you know, uh, jump. I mean, it is a near perfect rock and roll song. It's one of the greatest things that I've ever heard in my life. He had cell. Uh, what he had lung cancer. It had spread to his brain, and uh, he died in two thousand and one. It, he actually died uh, in a property that belonged to Paul McCartney. He, uh, he, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, like he had given him a house to stay in while he was going through his treatments, and that's where he passed. Hmm. Yeah. Man. And they, I think two years before, a year before, is when somebody had broken into his house and, like, stabbed him. <laughs> so this dude had survived that. <laughs> man, some of the, the Beatles had a, <laughs> it's a rough time going through for some of these guys. Yeah. And then the last person we'll talk about, you know what? Let's just save that one for, for next time. Because we were definitely. Teaser. Yeah, we're definitely over time. <laughs> so, Gabe, 2001, episode one. How's that feeling so far? Like, again, it, well, so it's, it's, there's more specific things in 2001 than I realized off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. So it was quite jam-packed with both world-shaking events and some fantastic entertainment yeah and like i said like a lot of great movies came out but when i when i go through the list tv shows too yeah when i go through the list i'm like not only what was i watching though but what was making an impact you know to those around me too because because i i don't want to talk about the hit show because sometimes those aren't the ones that you're going to remember although i just i just heard ray romano on a on a uh, podcast and he was talking about like you know like Everybody loves Raymond. Took him a while to get. He got it because he did a he did a spot on David Letterman show. Mm. He had tried for TV shows, nothing had happened. He did a spot on the David Letterman show, and David Letterman called him that weekend, or his production company, Worldwide Pants, called him and was like, "Hey, uh, we want you on a TV show." He goes, "Don't accept any more offers. Don't take any more calls." And Ray Romano was like. I was 35, 36 years old. He said, nobody was calling me. <laughs> you know? oh, okay, let me go. Let me go put you the know? note in with my agent. And and basically he <laughs> said that, that that's his uh, that's his uh, television legacy. Like he, he's so proud of that show, you know. Um, I never watched it, but Same. I know it made an impact. But nobody I knew was watching it either because it was about a middle-aged guy with a family and a, you know, a mother who was, who was you know, just uh, making his wife's life terrible. 
and his parents. <laughs> but again, could not connect. There was no reason for no. me to watch it, you know? So in 2001, that's not a show that's on my radar at all. But Scrubs is, you know? Band of Brothers is. Yep. Stuff like that, so. But yeah, no, it, 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 it's a good year. It's going to be a good year to, to finish the season off with. Uh, and with that, we'll say thank you for listening. Uh, remember to find us at, at Pop Culture Hangfire on your Instagrams. Have a wonderful week. We'll talk to you next week.